I'm Samantha. I'm Liz. This is our very first episode, and yet we are the number one <laughs> podcast on iTunes. We're number one in our heads. <laughs> number one. It's amazing. We came straight in at number one. We definitely have at least two listeners who are definitely not our husbands. <laughs> oh, that are not our Okay. Um, that's a lie. There. Yeah. I think we have five. I th- we have five listeners, and I say that's enough. For now. For sure. No, let's just cap it at that. No <laughs> more. If you it's are, enough forever. If you are over that, please stop listening. Should we tell our zero listeners why we're here, what we're doing? Yes, please. Let's do Samantha, it. take it away. So Unsolved Mysteries is a documentary-style TV program that showcases real-life mysteries, Liz. They are. Through reenactments, well. which are awesome. <laughs> which are awesome. The show profiles unsolved crimes, missing persons cases, conspiracy theories, and unexplained phenomenon, all in hopes that someone watching might be able to help solve a mystery. Perhaps it's you. Perhaps it's Perhaps. us. Maybe we'll solve a mystery. That's my goal. In this podcast. That's, yeah. I'm glad we have our five listeners. Bless you for listening. But really, the purpose of us being here is we're going to solve one of these goddamn mysteries. <laughs> That's what I want. That's how I'll know this podcast is successful. I don't care about anything else. Though, Casper Mattress, <laughs> if we get- sponsor of every single podcast in America, Samantha's building a house and could really use some free mattresses. We could use a mattress because... I mean, who couldn't use a free mattress? It's going to be real expensive. We don't get a Casper mattress. Casper, call us up. Seriously. I might be sleeping on the ground. Yeah. I don't know. All right. So just throwing that out there. You know you've made it when Casper mattresses sponsors you. Or what, Blue Apron? Yeah, I don't know about them. Or I'm really, I'm really leaning towards... The mattresses. Uh, advantage for our <laughs> advantage for our five listeners of listening to a podcast that no one has ever heard of and no one listens to. Uh, we have no sponsors. There are no ads except us rambling about it's how just, we want sponsors. It's just us rambling, which arguably might be worse than listening to uh, an ad. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, we, might, we might cut this out. That's a good point. So. So we're super fans of Unsolved Mysteries. Is that correct to say? I think so, because we decided this was a good idea. <laughs> good point. <laughs> Only super fans of a show that almost no one watches would decide to make a podcast we're about. Like, people will want to hear us talk about this show from the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Which people keep reminding me was a really long time ago, just to make me feel It doesn't seem super old. Ago. Whatever. It's still relevant, because Robert Stack... Is life. He's timeless. Is love. He's timeless. <laughs> it's love. Okay, so we to let our five listeners know we are watching along with Amazon. Right. They released this year the yeah, first like seven so. or eight seasons of Unsolved Mysteries. Seven, season one is on Hulu. Also, I feel like it might not be in the exact order that things aired originally. I don't think so, especially based on the episode we watched right. for this week's podcast. We can get to that. It seems like something's slightly amiss. Someone edited them. I think. Like, re-edited the original show. Yeah, so... Which is fine. I don't think anybody is going to be listening along to VHSs that they taped (laughs) off. Maybe. Maybe. If you are, please get in touch. We want to interview you. We want to talk to you. You're amazing. For sure. But yeah, I think no one probably remembers exactly what the original episode one was of Unsolved Mysteries. Because yeah, it definitely seemed like, based on Robert Stack's outfits... In the first episode, which were all very different in each mystery. 
And the fact that there was an update in episode one. There's an update in episode one from last September. Right. So clearly this Wh- wasn't the what? real episode Robert one. Robert Stack, why are you lying to me? I don't understand. And I, I like it too because if, when we watch ahead, we'll realize that they've recut the updates to put them with the original mystery. So you get to watch the mystery and then immediately get the update. I think that's so you cool. don't call in and say, <laughs> guess what? That guy, that guy lives down the street from me. And they're like, yeah, he was paroled like 12 years ago. Yeah, we Wait for him. the update. Right. <laughs> That's possible. So they had to put them together. It's it's way more satisfying. To get the update immediately. And then you're not. Although we Google it anyway. Yeah, well, well, because that's how we are. Because we have we have a serious problem. How did you feel watching Unsolved Mysteries now? The first time you watched it now, and compared to like your memory of it from the '80s. I don't have strong memories of it. I feel like my parents didn't let me watch. Oh, because your parents are like good. Whereas I, yours I, actively encouraged you to watch I, scary I, things that would keep you up at night. <laughs> I hear you. So I have very little, okay. if none, no memories from watching it as a child, which is I, nice because I kind of come into it with a clean slate. I don't remember it specifically. I know that I watched it, and it was one of those things where I assumed rewatching it would be very cheesy. And it, it has its moments, but it also really held up. I it's think like, so gripping television where I want to know what happens. And sure, sometimes it's about the Loch Ness Monster, which I kind of <laughs> remembered those more that I was like, isn't that show half about aliens? No, not really. It's like half about missing women. Um, right. Or amnesia. Or amnesia. <laughs> or not that many people get amnesia. No, We've Stack, learned not since that many this. people get that amnesia. So, so not everything has aged well. But I think it's actually more timeless than I expected of the show. I would agree with that. So, like, yeah, let's get started, I guess. Episode one. Yeah, we watched season one, episode one, according to Amazon's re-edited version. Sure. And there's four mysteries, and what we did was we each took, we split them up, so each of us have two. We're going to recap them and then talk about them. Mystery one was a, let me get my notes out. God damn it, I'm not prepared. This is not Newsflash, guys. We are not professional podcasters. <laughs> they we figured that out. If they're still listening. <laughs> they're not. Our five listeners are gone. But they checked out at this point because we are because the we're opposite just like, of professional. Mattresses, please. Yeah, we're not just doing this to get free mattresses. No. Because that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. We're just here to talk about Robert Stack, which is also why you're listening. And also because you probably grew up like me, reading too much Nancy Drew or whatever. Oh, for sure. And you thought you would go on vacation we thought, and solve a mystery. And then that I never happened. I still think I'm going to grow up to be, we're going to grow up to be those ladies from the Keepers who yes. are drinking wine and solving mysteries. And bribing people with crab cakes. Yes. Yes. That's my dream. That's my retirement plan. <laughs> my dream is to retire and solve mysteries with you. Yes. <laughs> this is just pre- preparing <laughs> us. Preparing us in the meantime. In the meantime. So. Tell me about mystery one. The myst- first mystery was an unexplained death. And it is the death of Shannon Davis. So here's what happened. In July 23rd, 1980, in a small farming community in Michigan, Dave Davis and Shannon Davis decide to go on a horseback ride. They live on a farm. I think they have horses. Oh, Unfortunately, yes. according to Dave, Shannon doesn't know how to ride horses. So maybe not a great plan, Maybe Dave. not. So yeah, so she lost control of her horse, fell off, hit her head, and was rushed to the hospital, but sadly died. So everyone believed Dave's story about how she fell off this horse they must have known she can't ride horses. <laughs> like, like, well, I never saw her ride a horse. I don't so. know. But yeah, so Shannon's mother thought Dave was a really nice guy, and her father liked him because he was, quote, very manly. 
Yeah, yeah. Which I found a little strange. The patriarchy is alive and well in in yeah yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, it's the it's the '80s. You gotta you gotta cut people a little slack. True but. story. Yeah, but apparently, Dave was a man's man. He liked to hunt and fish and be manly, and so that made like, him trustworthy, yes. according to Shannon's father. Marry him. Marry my daughter after only knowing her for a couple months. Right? Probably. Wasn't this like a whirlwind? I think so. Marriage. I believe I yeah. believe that's correct. Um, but things started getting weird at the hospital because minutes after her death, Dave started insisting that she be immediately cremated, which understandably upset her parents. Yeah, that's fishy. That's fishy. Also, her parents don't believe in cremation, <laughs> and neither did Shannon, and Dave presumably knew this. So the fact that he was immediately like, let's cremate her, her parents were super upset. And we find out later that she wasn't cremated, so we don't get to hear... Like how that came to be, but her parents eventually won out in that argument, but things were weird. You know, Dave. Yeah, Dave's looking Dave. a little suspicious. And then later, Shannon's mother has the recollection later that night that Dave lied at the hospital about having life insurance on Shannon. <sighs> yes. Life insurance is extremely suspicious. This first mystery is very, very predictable. So <laughs> Dave, Shannon's father asked Dave at the hospital shortly after she died, if they had life insurance, and Dave said no. And then later that night, after things had calmed down, Shannon's mother remembered a conversation she had immediately after Shannon's and Dave's honeymoon. When they got back, Shannon said, this weird thing happened. Dave took out a huge life insurance policy on me. So romantic. So romantic. But, what a honeymoon. So he lied, which it seems strange that you would lie about something like that. Yeah. Because it seems reasonable to have life insurance. But anyway, he lied. And in the end, he received... $303,000 from six different life insurance policies. 303. Yes. It's a weird number. 330. I think it was 330. I wrote this down wrong. Well, whatever. Regardless, it was a lot of money. It was a shit ton of money. Yeah. And... A suspicious amount of money, Dave. <laughs> Very Allegedly. suspicious. Well, and Allegedly. then Dave starts pulling all kinds of other scams around town because apparently that wasn't enough money. Like, he tells people that he was wounded in Vietnam, even though it seems like everyone knew that he never was in the military. <laughs> Um, and then Shannon's father claims that he burned down the farm across the road for insurance money. Unclear if this was something that was proven, although Dave seems shady as fuck, so it probably did happen. I don't know. I mean, I believe it. Yeah, he did all kinds of other fraud, and the newspaper caught wind of it and ran a story. Oh, that was later. Sorry, I'm getting out of order. Um, Shannon's parents started getting super even more suspicious, right? So she, they get her body exhumed. But the medical examiner who re-examined her body said that the, her injuries were consistent with a fall from a horse, so they didn't change the cause of death. However, they did find indications of an unknown drug in her system, but they didn't know where to start, I guess, testing for what it was. I mean, again, the 80s. Yeah, I guess. They were like, tests for stuff. How? Science? And then Science? they just threw up their hands. I have no idea. Also, this was a small town. Who knows? I don't. It didn't say who the medical examiner was that was looking into this, but he just seemed to look at her body, as far as I could tell, and say, oh, yeah, she hit her head. She must have fallen from a horse. Anyway, so she was reburied. But then later on, as Dave is doing all these other scams, the newspaper caught wind of it and ran like a tell-all story, which caught the attention of the investigator, who was like, well, this guy does seem shady. Maybe we should look into this death. <coughs> His wife. <laughs> Maybe I should do my job. Yeah, so the investigator went and talked to the toxicologist, who suggested talking to veterinarians in the area who Dave may have had contact with to see if they stock any kind of drugs that would have like an effect on the nervous system, which 
seems obvious that they would. I don't, whatever. Um, so he did that. And, and then the vets were like, yeah, of course. Of course we do. So yeah, so apparently he went and talked to a vet who gave him a sample of a tranquilizer that they use on horses, which I'm assuming is ketamine, but they didn't say it so much in the episode. They didn't want us to know and Probably copy not. this exact, very complicated crime. Yes. They went and took the sample of what was probably ketamine and compared it to the unknown substance that was in Shannon's body and surprise, it matched. And then this weird thing happened where the investigator discovered that like a year or so earlier, Dave was at some sort of deer hunting camp where they used tranquilizers to bow hunt. That's just not fair. I, well, okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> My dad was a bow hunter and I've never heard of this, which isn't saying a whole lot because I don't hunt myself, but then I Googled it and I couldn't find anything anywhere on the first few pages of Google that talked about people bow hunting with tranquilizers for deer. I don't know why Unsolved Mysteries would make it up. Maybe they were actually implying that they were out in the woods taking special K and hunting deer. I <laughs> maybe, don't yeah. Maybe know. it wasn't for the deer. Maybe it was for them. Yeah, I have no clue. But apparently this was suspicious. It seems like it would have been more. Like, Dave seemed to have horses. So if he had a horse tranquilizer, I don't know why this deer hunting thing came into play. It's weird. It's extremely weird. And I would like to know. I wish we had more listeners who could tell us if this is a thing okay. people do. Five listeners. Do like, any of you bow hunt? With tranquilizers? Is it catch and release deer hunting? That seems cruel. I don't know. It. I don't like it. I don't like it, but I don't like Dave, based on the story. <laughs> so it's maybe, maybe he was I'm not a that. huge fan of deer hunting, so yeah. anyway, moving on. Anyway, so they exhume her body a second time, and this time they find injection marks on her shoulder and which, wrist. Which I'm not sure how they twice. missed the first time, or the second time. Yeah. Not a great, not an excellent case of medical examining. Anyway, this is what they decide, which I'm slightly dubious of, but this is how the investigators think it went down. They went on a horseback ride. Dave pushed her off her horse, held her down, shot her up with ketamine, and then smashed her head against a rock. I actually have some relevant information. You do tell. There is a forensic files also about this case. Oh my God, you went deep. No, I just happen to know that because I've watched so much Forensic Files. <laughs> I did not rewatch this for this podcast. Oh, man. Oh, man. But okay. off the top of my head, I feel like Unsolved Mysteries, for the because this show, weirdly enough, was watched as a family, despite being about like terrifying things like missing people, censored the information a little bit. This was, wait, they made it more wholesome than pushing her off a horse, yes. shooting her up with tranquilizers and smashing her head <laughs> yes. into a rock? Yes. Because, what actually happened? Because apparently they liked to have sex outside. So they were oh. riding their horses into the woods. He oh. told her, get off your horse, baby. Oh. We're going to, like, do it. God. And then in the throes of passion, injected her with animal tranquilizer and then smashed her head on hold a rock. Hold on, hold on. In the throes of passion, well, he injected no, her with animal I don't tranquilizer? Know. She was like taking off her clothes and then actually it's not in the throes of passion. She wasn't totally undressed. The reason they came to this conclusion was because she was not wearing shoes. And so when they started examinizing, examining, examinizing, I just invented a word, everyone. I like that word better. You're welcome. Um, you don't lose your shoes when you're thrown from a horse. That's so true. when they were re-examining the accident, they were like, why were her shoes off? And why is she lying, like, on the ground so peacefully? And how did her head hit the only rock in the entire <laughs> vicinity? That's really convenient and random. And oh God, I should have looked into this further. It turned out that they think he got her off her horse 
with seduction. Okay. But he didn't accidentally shoot her up with ketamine. Like, that no. was part of his plan to get That was part of his money. plan. Okay, I gotcha, I gotcha. He wanted people to see them riding a horse and then say she fell off her horse. But... And she's I don't know that he, her, okay. I don't know that he literally pushed her. He just got her to get off of her horse and then murdered her. Okay, okay, that is interesting. Yes, you're right. The <laughs> sex in the woods part is not very family friendly. <laughs> but you know, murder and bashing someone's you, face. You know, in, it's a is. we're you're, we're Puritans here in wow. the U.S. Wow. <laughs> we're much more comfortable so with glad. violence. I'm so glad you knew this about my mystery. <laughs> That's incredible. So anyway, thank you, Forensic Files, as always. <laughs> Okay, so there's an update on this one. So Dave went on the run. They decided to arrest him, but he went on the run. Um, But minutes after the broadcast, because it's always minutes after the broadcast. That's the thing, though, is back in the day. Literally everyone watched this. Our younger, the younger members of our our five listeners won't remember (laughs) that back in the day, you did not have that many TV channels, and everybody watched. At dinner time. At dinner time, broadcast TV. And we all watch Unsolved Mysteries. So if your face was on Unsolved Mysteries or America's Most Wanted, you were caught. Yes. Because they'd be like, oh, Phil, he lives down the road. (laughs) Because someone that knew you would see you and call that hotline. And I saw a tweet on Twitter saying, can you imagine having the job of working at the Unsolved Mysteries hotline? That's my dream job. I can't remember who said that, but yes, that is my dream. I would love to imagine that. If they reboot the show, (laughs) I I might consider quitting my job to work in the Unsolved Mysteries So someone calls and it's like, oh, that shady mofo. Yeah, I know exactly where he is. So yeah, he was caught in minutes. Even though he was in American Samoa. Yes, he was. He was in American Samoa living with his 20-year-old wife who, when they took videos of her, she looked super salty. Yeah, she was pissed. She was so pissed. And rightfully so. She found out that her... She was like, oh, I married a murderer. Great. So he was convicted of murder and received a life sentence. He served 35 years and died in prison. I'm not really that sad. I'm not really sad that he died in... Not exactly. He got what he forensic Files, because it, I mean, it's always going to be geared towards a forensic. A more mature audience. A more mature audience, and they're looking, it's more going to be pro the examiner than trying to make it seem mysterious. That's true. So it did make them seem less incompetent than being like, and then that they makes... exhumed her again, and then. Well, and here's the thing, because when I heard their explanation on Unsolved Mysteries for how this went down, I was like, why would he push her off a horse at what point does he need to inject her with ketamine? She's on the ground. Right. Hold her down, bash her head in. Like, that's an unnecessary step. And how does someone get pushed off a horse anyway? I've ridden horses all my life. And even if you don't know how to ride, like, you don't, you don't just, like, fall off. Someone couldn't just, like, ride up you. and then be like, hey, and yeah. push so you So there, off. I was incredibly dubious. I don't seem like the ketamine was an unnecessary step. It seems unnecessary anyway. But I suppose if you really bash someone's head with a rock while they're struggling, it might be obvious they didn't fall off a horse. Maybe, Maybe he just so, had the ketamine because he and his bros he, took it recreationally yeah, he, in the woods while they were deer hunting. So he might as well. weird bow hunting deer cruelty league. <laughs> and he already had ketamine. He's like, well, I don't want it to go to waste. So I'm, And I'm killing my wife anyway. I'm killing my wife anyway. So I might as well use it. And I'm also going to burn down a barn. I got For a lot of plans. Money. That's how manly I am. That's that's this is deep. lesson learned. If someone is manly, that does not automatically make them trustworthy. In fact, no. you should be a little suspicious of that Definitely. until you decide otherwise. Be a little suspicious. I think Unsolved Mysteries teaches us to be a little suspicious of everyone until you learn otherwise. Yes. Which, how well do I really know you, Samantha? <laughs> 
I've known you like I think we were right like at a year. Probably. I think we met like a year ago. Well, and the fact that we bonded over our love of true crime and it's, it murder stories. It up. Yeah. Makes it I don't know. <laughs> it counts as a like five that's built on solid ground. <laughs> it counts but, as like five years. But that's my first mystery. So first mystery. A good one. A good one to start the season off, I believe. It was pretty cut and dry, but it was interesting. Yeah, this episode has good Good mysteries. Goodness. So whoever edited these together for the Amazon version, <laughs> Thumbs good up. job. So the second case is about a missing wife. It takes place in April of 1986 in Lawton, Oklahoma. It starts with a farmer seeing smoke off in the distance. And then it takes the Highway Patrol 20 minutes to get there, which is a little concerning. But it's a rural area. It though, is in the middle it? of nowhere. So that's actually probably really reasonable. But as someone who's never lived in the middle of nowhere, I was like, what took them so damn long? That's really like... This was back in the day where you had to shoot a gun into the air to call the police. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> some, I realize like some people are really nervous about cities. But I'm always like, if I see a house in the middle of nowhere, I'm always like... No, because if I what if I break my leg and I need to get to the hospital, it's gonna be so far away. It will take an hour for someone. That's to get what to scares you. me. So anyway, it took the highway patrol twenty minutes to get there. By the time they got there, they found a car on a remote bridge that was on fire and had been burning for so long that the metal of the car melted into the metal of the guardrail on the bridge. It turned out that that car belonged to Pat Conway, and that the body was identified as his wife, Aileen. It was a first ruled as a one-vehicle fatality, fatality accident. Um, and the idea was that she was speeding and lost control of the car and crashed into the side of the bridge. Her husband is like, wait up, that doesn't make sense. Why was my wife there? Um, this is an area that we've never been to. As I talk a little bit more about her, it seems like she doesn't seem like the type of person that would speed. Does that make sense? She did not she seem like the type of person who would speed. She doesn't seem like the type of person who was a reckless driver that was going to lose control of her car and No, Eileen smash. drove 10 miles below the speed limit in the fast lane. I feel very confident. I never knew her, but I feel very confident saying that she never sped in her life. I agree. Anyway, so the husband, after the accident, goes home, and he finds some other things that make him suspicious. The patio door of their house is open, which if he finds that suspicious, I guess that's unusual for them. A hose is still running, topping off their swimming pool. I don't have a pool, I've never had a pool, but from <laughs> from looking at various people's comments on the internet, I highly recommend, if you're into Unsolved Mysteries, look at the Unsolved Mysteries website yes. for the various cases. You can read people's comments, and there's lots of people saying, it takes like an hour to top off a pool. Fine. So. Sure. I don't know. Sure. Okay. I, okay. Internet, I believe you. So a hose is running, filling up a pool. An iron is left on on an ironing board. A bathtub is being is filled with water, and a phone is off the hook. Right. If only one of those things had been true, you might have been able to believe that she forgot about it and, like, ran to the store to get milk or something. Clearly, she was home. Right. So it seems like she was topping off her pool, which was going to take a while. She went to go fill up her bath, and while she was also waiting for that, decided, oh, I'm going to iron this shirt or whatever. Right. People made a lot of assumptions about the phone being off the hook, that that meant... She, like, a burglar came in, and she right. tried to call 911. I don't buy that theory. 
Okay, tell us why. Because she was so clearly home. I don't think a burglar would break into the house thinking no one's here while she's like running outside to fill out the pool. It looked like they had a little dog, right? Like, yes. It's the middle of the day. It didn't, it seemed fishy to me too. She seems like a sort of person that would have had very regular routines. Yes. I don't know. I don't know. I think she took the phone off the hook for old school people who remember when phones had cords, when you didn't want people to bother you. You took the phone off the hook. <laughs> she was I think about to take a bath. She was about to take a luxurious bath after finishing all of her stupid house chores. And she didn't want anyone to call her for like 15 minutes. That's my theory. I agree with that. 100%. So the sad thing about this case is it's left unsolved. We yeah. don't know what happened to Aileen. We don't know why she was driving on that road. The husband's persistence that this is suspicious causes them to reopen the case. They realized that the car wouldn't have burned that hot just from an accident. Right. That there was probably an accelerant used. The car is missing a gas cap. Which I was sort of like, guys, you didn't notice that right away. Right. Well, this was the thing that interested me is that they said in arson fires with cars, like oftentimes the gas cap is removed. I think and you, I didn't understand why. I think, I think you take the gas cap off because you want the fire to get to the gasoline in the car. And then the car blows up like in I a guess. movie or it just catches fire more. I'm not really sure. Yeah. But that is also suspicious. Right. Because it wouldn't have come off unless she was just driving with it off, which she... Probably wasn't. Like, it doesn't fly off in an accident. Yeah. Or they would have found it at the accident, you right. would think. They found a church bulletin that they assumed was hers a few feet from the car, like, in a field. And apparently she never, ever drove with the windows down. Ever. What? That's what they said. <laughs> she always drove with them up and the air conditioning on. And I really wrote, always? Because... <laughs> And you want the she, breeze in your she hair. She hated that. I okay, don't know. I guess. Apparently they knew that habit of hers. So that made them think that someone else was in the car or opened her car door. I feel like they're reading a lot into that. Yeah. How many churches are in the area? Right. Someone else could have dropped that bulletin. I do think there's some sort of foul play. It seemed like it to me, too. And this is an unusual case for husband and wives because I, it does not seem like the husband. Because... No. If it wasn't for him, it would have just stayed ruled as an accident and he would have gotten away with it. Right. He was pretty persistent that something fishy happened to his wife. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like she was involved in crime or they didn't mention anyone that would have had a grudge against her. No. So it is, this is a true straight up mystery. Um, they're... The only theory they had was the burglary theory. Apparently there had been some other burglaries in the area. I guess. It seems complicated to make her drive that far from her house. Right. Possibly she got in her car to try to drive away, and they chased her, and then she crashed, and then they lit her car on fire. Do you remember if she was found in the driver's seat? I think she was, only because I don't see how they would have ruled in an accident in the first place if she wasn't. Right. That's a good point. And sadly, her husband, Pat, passed away a few years ago. So he went to his grave. He went to his grave not knowing. The other thing I have written down is one of the cops said, I'm a firm believer that it is confessions normally captures criminals is their inability to keep their mouth shut. Which I sort of took as like, I'm not doing any real police work. (laughs) I'm just going to wait for I'm just going to wait for someone to confess. A jailhouse snitch or something. Yeah. He didn't seem that concerned with like collecting evidence. He was like, this will be solved if someone tells me they did it. So Great it's guy. never going to be solved. I'm guessing because of the rural area, they didn't have the best resources for Probably investigating not. this case. 
They were assuming someone would confess, and they never did. That guy did have a pretty sweet mustache, though. He did. So we, we have to decide between ourselves who gets the MVM for this episode, yeah. which is the most valuable mustache. Most and valuable I will post mustache. it on our Instagram page. Yeah, I'm voting for that dude. For the investigator? For yeah. This one. I'll have to go back and look at him because I don't remember. <laughs> it's was kind of like a gray, almost handlebar. I mean, it's a very cop mustache. There's I, a lot of mustaches on this show. There's a lot of mustaches, and also all the cops look like cops from the 80s which yeah. i guess makes sense because they were cops from it's the 80s but like, there's a specific look so cliche they're all white they're all older they all have these mustaches they all have mustaches they're all talking in this kind of gravelly voice it's kind of like look you don't know how this is but basically criminals are everywhere and i don't care <laughs> <laughs> that was this guy that, that was mystery. this guy who was like very jaded and also here's my question about the reenactments for so Unsolved Mysteries, the reenactments, whenever possible, are done by the real people. Yes. Which does make it more realistic. However, I was wondering, in this case, with this husband, did he really want to go to that bridge and look at where his wife Died. essentially melted? Yeah. That, and maybe he was just so committed to sol- getting it solved and thinking that Unsolved Mysteries could solve it that he was willing to do anything, I including know. go to that bridge. And that just and made filmed. me really sad. Yeah. It, it did. It made it's me sad, a, too. And when he they filmed him, like, walking into the house as, like, the, the day he discovered her gone, yeah. like, that had to bring back some really painful memories for that man. Uh, which I'm is sorry, Pat. I know. But should we talk about the next one, which is yeah. significantly more yeah, uplifting? Yeah, that Not was, that uplifting, was, necessarily, but lighthearted. <laughs> None of them are really that uplifting. True. But they're less of a bummer than that one. Yes, this one's less of a bummer. So this next one is a Mysterious Legends. Dun, dun, dun. You know it's going to be good. So here's what happened. In 1928, Glenn Hyde decided to make a homemade boat and try for a record-breaking rafting trip down the Colorado River through the Grand Canyon with his new bride, who had never been on a boat. And for some reason, Glenn didn't want to wear life jackets. Wait, wasn't this trip really long and she had never been on a boat? It was super long. They had never been on a boat. It was unclear if she even knew how to swim. And for some reason, Glenn Hyde decided that they wouldn't wear life jackets. Worst trip ever. God. Yeah. And they filmed some shots of people going over rapids. I'm assuming that we're in the Grand Canyon, and those looked intense. Yeah. Crazy That's intense. probably not where you start, at no. the actual Grand Canyon. And I don't know how bad the rafts, the rapids are, like, upriver from the Grand Canyon. Sure. I'm sure they're pretty bad. And it didn't say, I should have looked up, like, difficulty-wise, how hard this no, trip would be. No, it looked be, hard. But it looked hard to me. For your first trip, you should ever. do something that's, like, a couple hours. Well, and they had just gotten married, so this is like their honeymoon, Ugh. which sounds like a Horrible. nightmare. <laughs> yeah, this poor Horrible. woman. Pretty, yeah. pretty bad. So anyway, they were going down the river, and I just wrote some green river man, <laughs> who I feel like probably knows what he's talking about. That's what they referred to him, was a green river man. I wrote at one point, boat undamaged equals free boat. <laughs> I have written down. Anyway. I guess if you were the Green River Man, but they were getting into this boat, like, at the start of their journey, and this Green River Man, whoever that is, said that the boat looked like a coffin. Oh, yeah. He'd never seen a boat like that before, and he said it looked like a coffin, which seems like a bad omen. I think he was taking, like, a real Goosebumps moment to try to do some (laughs) foreshadowing. I think so. It was... It was unnecessary. That doesn't help with the case at all, Green River Man, to yeah. say, oh, it lo- oh, and it looks like a cop. We get it. They died. We know. Right. So, <laughs> but this was a homemade boat that Glenn Hyde literally made himself. 
So I think we're to surmise that it maybe wasn't seaworthy, like as much as like a, a real boat, like that you bought from a store would be. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it's just, it's suspicious. Um, it took 26 days to get from Utah. Oh, I hear I wrote it down. Utah is where they start, and then they got, took 28 days to get to the heart of the Grand Canyon. Who wouldn't want to do that for their first boat trip ever on their honeymoon? I don't know, but they broke the record, so that's, that's cool, good. I guess. I guess. Um, but yeah, if I was Still the wife. don't do it. If I was the wife, I would be. I would be so pissed. You want to do what for our honeymoon? Yeah. No life jackets? Can we take these gifts back? Yeah. Is it too late to call it off? <laughs> Um, so anyway, when they got to the Grand Canyon, they visited a famous Grand Canyon photographer named Emery Cobe. Bessie, who is the wife's name, by the way, um, was apparently over this whole river trip thing. Understandable. Yeah, I can't really blame her for that. It doesn't really sound like the honeymoon she would have chosen. Anyway, Cobe tries to tell them, like they had dinner with him or something, and he tried to tell them that it isn't a good idea to go through the rest of the trip, like through the Grand Canyon. And he begged him to at least take his life jackets, but they refused. Why not wear a life jacket? I don't understand. And to me, I compared this in my head to, like, hikers that hike Mount Everest without oxygen. Like, maybe it's supposed to be, like... More rugged. Or, like, more of a challenge. But it just seems unnecessary in this case. Yeah. Especially for your... Like, at least have your wife, who's never been on a boat before, wear a life jacket. <laughs> if you don't want to wear one, fine. But at least put one on her. It's That's... a sign of being kind of controlling, at the very least. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's like, you know, when you see guys with women on their motorcycles like where she's wearing like his helmet or whatever yeah. like, like you're kind of dumb for not wearing a helmet but at least you gave yours to her <laughs> sure sure like this just you don't have to both suffer. dumb as fuck to me but whatever um two days later their empty boat was found floating down the river undamaged all of their no, items see there you go free boat, free boat. <laughs> well the boat you know must have been pretty seaworthy because it was intact and everything that they brought with them was in the boat like it hadn't fallen out so and like, they broke these records with their coffin boat. Right. So th- They did break the record. I guess I don't know once they got to the Grand Canyon if they broke any records. But it after two days, they yeah, they sure sometime did. between when they got back on the river and two days later, they disappeared. And, yeah, everything in their boat was intact. So it's not like it was capsized or anything because all of their stuff was still in it. And they brought a lot of shit with them. So I mean, it was a long trip. Yeah. So it seems strange that they were just, you know, vanished. But here's where it starts getting a little wild. 50 years later, and I, I, they didn't really say, but I assume they just decided that they were lost in the in the rapids or whatever. <laughs> we found this boat. Oh, well. Which is the conclusion I would have come to. They didn't sure. wear life jackets. She probably couldn't swim. These are really difficult rapids to navigate. So anyway, I think that's what they decided. But 50 years later, authorities found a human skeleton hidden in Emery Cobe, the photographer's boathouse inside a canoe Uh a skeleton and they can apparently tell just by the bones or at least this is what (laughs) this medical examiner or he was a forensic anthropologist i think he had a good mustache that's true he He, had a good mustache he had like a frown a very deep frown and the mustache (laughs) kind of rode the frown in a way that was really interesting (laughs) rode the frown which is why i might nominate him for mvm okay anyway anyway maybe we can have people vote so he decided that the just by looking at the bones that the person died a violent death. But for some reason, he, when they interviewed him for the show, he said that it could have been either homicide or suicide. Don't know. Okay. So they couldn't determine exactly how he died, but it was because it's just bones, right? And I yeah. guess maybe could have been a violent suicide. That was confusing to me a little bit. But a bone expert examined the bones and discovered that they were from a six-foot-tall man with light brown hair. Do you know how you can determine hair color from just bones? Oh, uh, you can't. 
I'm going to say... I rose my eyebrows at that. That's, that's nonsense. Unless there were hairs. Yeah, and it didn't say. Because they made it sound like it was just bones. And then in the reenactment, it was just bones. Yeah, I, I that sounds... But this bone expert that they brought in because they couldn't figure it out themselves. I'm basing this on forensic files, by the way. That's how I... Well, yeah, I based it on nothing, and I don't think that that's a thing you can do. Because a lot of hair analysis that they used to use, it turns out, is... junk science. Is junk science. And you can't, like, for instance, match just a hair to someone else's hair and say, without the DNA, it's According to scientists who are... Yeah. Actual scientists. So I don't think you could real. look at a skull and say... He had light brown hair? Yeah. Maybe you could say, I think this was a Caucasian man. I'll totally guess what his hair color was. Probably light brown. But, which, you know, <laughs> is probably right more probably often than right. not. But, yeah, that sounds like nonsense. And what is light to brown To me, mean? a scientist. Auburn? Or I'm, slightly, you I'm know, not, strawberry blonde? Yeah. So, really, no. that pretty much accounts My for every white was, man. In the reenactment, the skull was in a coffee can in in the canoe. They didn't explain. Would my skull fit in a coffee can? If you were a six foot tall man with light brown hair, could your skull fit in a coffee can? Maybe it's a Costco coffee can. It was like bulk. Oh, maybe. I have no fucking idea. That didn't even cross my mind, but now that you're saying that, that seems really strange. (laughs) Yeah. That's something to look into. Can human skulls fit in coffee Maybe. cans? I don't know. But anyway. I, yeah, anyway, this bone expert decided that this guy kind of looked like Yeah, the, the cool husband. part of this episode is they put the skull on a table so, and yeah. then project so. a photo onto it. And then they're like, yup, it's him. I wrote using a technique that doesn't seem very scientific <laughs> to me. But then again, what do I know? They superimposed a picture of Glenn Hyde over the skull and determined that it was a different shape than Hyde's skull. Which I believe... In my heart of heart, that that wasn't Hyde. I mean, maybe it was, but I don't know. Yeah. But what they did was they, like, blew up a picture and, I don't know, printed it on, like, a transparency or some yes. shit. And then they put It's like it... an overhead projector from school back in the day. And they just, like, moved it, like, in front of the skull until it, like, lined up proportion-wise with the skull. And then they, like, compared the bone structure to the photo and determined that it couldn't have been the same man. This is what I wrote down. Cool job projecting photos on skulls. <laughs> Then there was a quote from Robert Stack where he was saying this was the only way to determine if it was the same person. So you and watched... I wrote, by eyeballing it? Because this does not seem precise. Not at all. And at you, all. Okay, you've watched a lot of forensic files more than me. Have you ever seen this technique no. used before? So clearly, this is not like a standard investigatory technique. I feel like even the earliest forensic files is probably later than this. That's true. So this might have... Been something they did. Back then? Something they did, and then realized this is this not is complete precise. bullshit. Yeah, because the photo might be of him at a different age when he died. It might have been different lighting. I it feel might, like you could find maybe, two photos of me that I know are of me that don't really look that alike. No. So and you can't really see someone's bone structure precisely under their skin because you have muscle and fat and tissue yeah. over your bones. So I don't know. Is I'm this not an photo expert. like exactly straight on? Yeah. Yeah, I just wrote, this is how scary Halloween pictures were invented. (laughs) By projecting photos over skulls. So it's like those hologram things you buy at the Halloween store. But the other thing they did find was a bullet embedded in the skull. And the experts decided that the person had died in the 1920s. And interestingly, the only two people that disappeared in the Grand Canyon in the 1920s were Glenn and Bessie Hyde. Dun, dun, dun. So 
they theorized that perhaps, um, because Bessie was over this boat bullshit, that she convinced Emery Cobe to kill her husband. <laughs> Which, whoa. So she could get Someone out of it. Someone just met. Yeah. And he apparently went along with it. I'm not really know. sure. And Emery Koba died by the time they discovered this body. So who knows? But then it gets a little fishier because some random guy claims that when he was on a boat trip through the Grand Canyon with a bunch of strangers, that this quiet woman who didn't say anything the whole trip, one night around the campfire when they were talking about this legend, admitted that she was Bessie Hyde and she killed her husband. But she said that she slit his throat or strangled him. I can't remember. Yeah. Or stabbed him. It wasn't shooting. I think it was stabbing. So that she could leave and then she just, I don't know, pulled the boat over and got out. But this is suspicious. And he didn't know who this woman was, but apparently tracked her down after the trip and called her. And she denied ever saying that she was Bessie Hyde or that she killed her That's husband. That's not evidence. That could just be a ghost story or None of a this weirdo. Is this random guy, I don't know. Wasn't that guy interviewed while lying in a field? That, he I, was, that I could not figure he out. He was in the Grand Canyon, I But think. he was just like... He, lying he on one casually. side. It was like a, a boat behind him. It was odd. It was like, oh, you want to interview me? Let me lie down. <laughs> it was weird. He was like lounging. Yeah, no. I don't trust that dude at all. I didn't either. But there's no update. It was never, you know, this case was never solved. It remains a mystery. I feel like the simplest answer is... is correct. And they just fell out of the boat. Or maybe yeah. one of them fell out of the boat. The other one tried to rescue them and they both drowned. Probably. Because, yeah, the boat, just sense. because the boat didn't capsize doesn't mean that, that they, they didn't, didn't fall, fall out, out and drown. They refused to or wear life jackets. they just swimming and, I don't know. Yeah. Didn't make it The back. rapids looked really, really terrifying. And then maybe that photographer found their bodies and hates the police and just is kept just, them. But or? that is the weird part, that he this Emery Cope guy had a dead body. And I didn't Google it. Did you Google to see if they no. had solved that? I don't think they had. I don't think so. So it's a weird coincidence, I'll admit, that he had a dead skeleton of a man in his boathouse. But I don't think that it's means... It's not normal. No, it's not. <laughs> but... <laughs> I don't think that means that it had to have been one of the hides. No. I just think that probably she fell out of the boat. She couldn't swim very well. It was in rapids. He tried to go after her and save her, and they both drowned. I mean, my favorite murder has taught me that a lot of people go missing in national parks. Yes, a that's A terrifying true. number of people. So it could it really be the only people that went missing in all of the 20s? Were those, were those two people? That doesn't seem right. I doubt it. Maybe people Those are just the only missing. two people they know of that, that didn't missing. get reported. Yeah. It seems fishy a little, but I also just think that they just drowned. And it's sad. And they shouldn't have been on a boat without life jackets in the Grand yeah, Canyon. Your, the lesson of this is wear a life jacket. Wear a goddamn life jacket. Don't be a hero. No one's going to think you're cooler because you no. did this not wearing a life no. jacket. It might look kind of lame. Just do it. Yep. So that was mine. Okay. You have the last one. I have the last one. Which is which my is favorite of this episode. a great case. Yes. Well, sad. Also sad. It's really sad. It is a bummer. But an interesting mystery. So this is the case of Dottie Kaler, who is it's a missing persons case, and it remains unsolved. I'll tell you right now, because I just want to brace you for what a bummer that is. <laughs> this is a big bummer. <laughs> it's a big bummer. So... She's married to this guy, Jewel. He claims, and we only have his word for this, that he dropped her off at a train station. He didn't even seem to know where she was going, which is strange when you're dropping off your wife with agoraphobia who doesn't like to go uh, anywhere. Yeah. That he dropped her off at the train station, she bought a ticket, and was never seen from again. And that the next day, he finds her car at the train station, 
which makes no sense because he dropped her off. Right. And then just proceeds to leave her passive-aggressive notes. On the car. On the car, basically saying the house is in disrepair, come home. Her friend, who... Was a part of a support group, right? Yes. Her friend Shelly, who I wrote down, seems like a good friend and supported her new haircut. Uh, <laughs> and her new... Oh, her whole new look. Her whole new look. So Dottie was clearly trying to get her life together. So she had joined a support group called Women in Tradi- Transition, the most wholesome name ever, yes. that she was meeting with once a week. She had this friend, Shelly Wilson, who seemed super nice. And was the person that was actually concerned that she was missing. So Jewel just keeps leaving these stupid notes on her car. Her friend Shelly's like, hey, Jewel, have you seen Dottie? And he's like, no, not for like five days. <laughs> I don't know where she went. I don't know what happened. And, he, and she's like, so you told the police? And he's just like, no. Um, so she tells the transit police. Okay. And then they tell the real police the next day. And then, like, you know, it's been like six days, I think, by this point that she's been missing, that they actually start a missing person search for her. And she's never found. Never. Never. So in that investigation, they realized that she had set up a P.O. box and had also made a bank transfer for a $5,000 cashier check. So that sort of lends to the belief that she got on a train and just left her horrible marriage. What I didn't, what I failed to mention that was suspicious was also in her car that was found at the train station, her purse was in it. Right, I forgot about that part. Which does make you think that she didn't just go off and start a new life. Her sister was of the opinion that yeah, she just left because her husband was terrible and she was acting like, oh, he disappeared half right. of their marriage. That seemed to just be for work. So tell us about these comments so, on, on this article. The story, the comments on these. And these are on unsolved.com, this is on which unsolved. is the official com. website for Unsolved Mysteries. You can go on and read about it and then make comments. I think the point of having the comment section is in case someone says, hey, I have information. Yes. They could, instead of just calling, which you can still call, I think. I think so. I think they still, or we maybe should, it's just the website. We'll have to try it at we some point. We are, yeah, not but qualified you, to even say this. If you say on unsolved.com, like, oh, I feel like I saw this person, they will say, please get in touch with this address with more information because they are still following up on And they pages. are also operating a YouTube channel that where they feature, like, more recent unsolved mysteries, I think. Okay. So, so they're still active. One, I'm not going to read all of this comment because it's horrible. If you wrote this, shame on you. The person that said, love that Jewel dude, no way he did it, or he would have done more to pose for the camera. Was that Jewel who left that comment? Probably. The woman he was married to was obviously a nag and a hag. It goes on. I think that was Jewel. (laughs) The comment that killed me was Tyrone said, it was the husband, three explanation points. Look at his beady eyes, (laughs) three explanation points, which... (laughs) He does have beady eyes. He does have very beady small. eyes. Does not a murderer make, no. however? So we are no. not trying to convict what? someone the based on their just eyes. Keeps going with like finally how happy he is to leave her and the memory of it all behind. Why did he wait so long to call the authorities? Why does he have such little beady eyes? <laughs> and why are his eyes so close together? I straight up <laughs> solved this mystery within a minute of seeing the husband. I mean, Christ, the cops in the area must be the dumbest bunch of Andy Griffith goners on earth. So, but yeah, as much as 
I love that comment. Eyes are not evidence. Did you watch the Amanda Knox documentary on yeah. Netflix? There's a part where the prosecutor was like, I looked into her eyes and I knew that she did it. And, uh, that's which not is, evidence. Which is the reason why I hesitate to say things like, he didn't act the way a husband would act if their his wife went missing. However, this man's actions are clearly suspicious. They're suspicious. Yeah. I and I I hope you don't leave notes on your missing wife's car in hopes that come she, like, home and make me a pot roast. I mean, he's a jerk for sure, and then allegedly more might be more. Yeah. And I hope she moved on. I would like just, to think that she did start a new life. It seems possible in the 80s you could just like go to another town and be like, hey, I'm so-and-so. And everybody would just go, okay. And no one knew anything. The thing that, okay. This, I think, was also from Unsolved or just online somewhere. Someone said, who knows, so dubious, that the money she transferred, that cashier check expired. So it doesn't okay, seem. Okay, so she didn't even. I don't know. Yeah. I hope that's not true. I hope she's is. living it up. But. I hope so too. Yeah. Bummer, so, bummer no. ending. But <laughs> what's not a bummer is we're going to rate this episode. I feel like this episode is solid. I liked it. So here's our so here's what we're going to do. We have one, two, three, four categories. We'll give either a thumbs up, thumbs sideways, or thumbs down, and okay. then we'll rate the episode as a whole. Okay. So our first category is mysteriousness. Now, how mysterious would you say these mysteries were? Actually, pretty mysterious. We have. Your two are really mysterious. Very, yeah. We have three unsolved cases. Yes. Only one, only the first one is solved. And pretty cut and dry. And pretty cut and dry. Um, and my second one, there was kind of two mysteries in one. Because what yeah. happened to the rafters? And, and then, then what happened to that mysterious skeleton? skeleton? Yeah. So I think... Thumbs up for me for mysteriousness. Thumbs up for, yeah, mysteriousness for sure. Now, how did you like the reenactments? Actually, I thought the reenactments for the rafting part where they were just put really good the sepia tone on top of it to make it old. <laughs> there was that. Eh, I don't that know. That was iffy. But also, like, the, the reenact, like, when I thought about this, I thought about the people in the, like, they had people going down some That's really true. intense rapids. So that was pretty intense. I'm going to give it a sideways. Yeah, I think so, too, because especially my first one where they had, like, the people on the horses. <laughs> like... You're taking your expert horse knowledge and you're like, no. Well, uh-huh. I don't even think you need expert horse knowledge to know that these people they put on those horses were going to fall off and die. They were like clinging to those horses they for really, dear life. That would be me Galloping through a field. Like maybe they were like, okay, so she didn't know how to ride. Maybe he didn't know how to ride either. So they wanted to make it realistic. So I they don't found think some so. two I random people. I think they just people. found two actors that were willing to jump on a horse. horse and they didn't know what they were doing. They that probably was... just needed the work. Oh my God. So yeah, I'm also thumb sideways. Thumb sideways for that one. So here's my favorite category: hair slash mustaches slash accessories. I there were some quality mustaches in this episode. There were some pretty quality ones, and I no one's hair really stuck on no. here. There weren't any good mullets. No, there weren't any good like. There was not perms. any like extreme '80s trendy fashion or anything like that. No, other than Robert Snack's sweet velvet suit coat, yes. which we'll get to in our next category. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he had but the best. But for obviously. everyone else's, I would give a, a thumb sideways. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go sideways because I feel like despite the quality of the mustaches, we're going to be seeing so many mustaches. So many. And they were okay, but I didn't think they were standout. They're just like cop mustaches, which we all know. We all have an image in mind when someone says that, and it's accurate in this case. That stereotype is being proven by Unsolved Mysteries. So we have a thumbs up and two thumbs sideways. But our next category, 
which this episode may be a little bit different because it's Robert Stack's outfit. And he wore a different outfit, like I said at the beginning, in every mystery. And they were all pretty good. They were all pretty good. He had like a corduroy blazer at some point that I really liked. Yes. In one of my mysteries, he had like a jaunty red pocket square. Yes. Which, yes. He started out the episode too with a sweet khaki trench coat. Yeah. Which really, I think, set the stage. That was for so, it's like so of the time. Right. It has like a really kind of like McGruff the crime dog <laughs> which um, is that because of Robert Stack that were McGruff the crime dog wears I have no idea we should look it up though tri- I think so did everyone though back then I think everyone <laughs> we just like associate that with detectives at the time right I don't know so I thumbs up for Robert Stack's outfits yeah. for this episode he had a tweed jacket that didn't fit very well but no turtlenecks I'm always disappointed when like, <laughs> I get an Unsolved Mysteries <laughs> episode amazing. without a turtleneck on Robert Stack okay. but I'm still gonna give it a thumbs up thumbs yeah, up he, for right thumbs up for Robert Stack so we're pretty you know tied there but our so now we're gonna rate the episode as a whole so you can rate it anywhere from zero to five Robert Stacks I'm gonna say four Robert Stacks for this episode I feel like this is a solid episode this was I don't know that I would be like, oh my god, you have to see. This isn't episode the episode I would point people to as their first one, but, but it's not a bad. It's, it's not a bad one. Some episodes, I will admit, I get bored on some yeah. topics, which I'm sure, sure we'll get to as we watch. You'll hear there'll be podcasts of us snoring, right. <laughs> and, and it's gonna be the hidden treasure podcast, the hidden treasure segments. It's gonna be for me anything about the war. Usually, is really history. Boring I have a hard time me. with history. Arson, it's not my yawn. Favorite. Who cares? <laughs> They're all I, from watching Forensic Files. Every arson is the same. It's just I don't know. Yeah. Unless it's that one case from California where it turned out that firefighter started all those fires. I don't know if there's an unsolved mysteries about that. I hope so. We shall find out because that's an interesting case. Yeah. So this was not like I thoroughly enjoyed every mystery in this episode. I was not it's bored. Very engaging. So I will also give it four out of five Robert Stags. Amazing. A the best episode. system of judging <laughs> anything ever. I'm going to rate everything in my life now. Out of of Robert course. Stacks. You're like, great burrito. Five out of five Robert <laughs> Oh, my God. So that's a wrap on our first episode. I actually have a surprise for you. What? To commemorate our very first show. I have a show. surprise. I have oh a my surprise. God. So I'm looking at a skeleton, a skull <laughs> bag with a little <laughs> painted skull sticker. This is amazing. I didn't even get you anything. Well, it's not really a thing that normally has presents. Oh my god! But on Etsy, I ordered us both these amazing enamel pins that are retro TVs oh, that say Unsolved Mysteries on them. This is amazing! And as soon as I saw it, I knew that we had to have it. So this was made by Millie Pins. It's milliepins.etsy.com. I just ordered these. Shout out to Millie Pins. Shout out to Millie Pins, man. Pins. M i l l y p i n s. Yes, because it's a really great. It's pretty large pin of a black TV that says Unsolved Mysteries on it. This is incredible. (laughs) You are amazing. I'm so excited. So now we will always remember our first our first episode episode. of this podcast. This is incredible. (laughs) So that's a wrap for that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to us babble. Should I plug our social media even though no one's listening? So we are on Facebook. Twitter and Instagram at perhaps it's you Y-O-U I am on Instagram and Twitter at the Samantha Bean I, you can find me at well for Instagram it's 
at everybody likes Liz. Um, and then you can also email us. Perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com. Gmail. I would love to hear if you have a personal ghost mystery. story or mystery. Yes. Not something you read in like stories you can tell in the dark or whatever. Something that's happened to you that's mysterious. Um, get in touch with us about that. And particularly, we're coming to you from Minnesota. So right. anything about Minnesota that's mysterious. We are thrilled about. We would love to hear from you. Yes. Also, if you could subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play. If you rate us on iTunes, you can rate us, I'm assuming you're going to rate us five out of five stars, but (laughs) in the text of of your review, if you could say, this is actually five out of five Robert Stacks. (laughs) Yes. We would love it. Please. But yeah, that's about all we have, right? We're going to film, or film, we're going to record as often as we can. Hopefully get out some more episodes. Yeah, we're not... uh, We're on the schedule yet, but we hope to be soon. We'll let you know about that. Yeah. And um, if you have any personal connections to the show Unsolved Mysteries, like maybe your aunt was interviewed or something. I don't know. Maybe your cousin cut Robert Stack's hair. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) someone did. So that that would be a great thing to email us about as well. Yeah. All right. Anything else you have for our listeners? Uh, No.